Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work, and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium-sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now, without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful self-care goddesses, and welcome to another episode. Today, I'm super, super excited to be talking to Jake Machashek. I hope I got that right. (laughs) Or we'll call him Jake the Beast, because that's what he goes by. So I'm super excited to have him on this podcast. We're going to be talking a lot of good, great things, lots of tips for you to take home, and even to start as early as, I think, tonight, right? Maybe for um, a cold Mm. shower. Yeah, why not? So welcome, welcome, welcome. And before we start, I'd love to get everybody in coherence with their heart and their breath. So if you want to just relax, uncross your arms and legs. And of course, if you're driving, just keep driving and just listen. (laughs) Maybe you can do this when you get home. And if you'd like, you can lower your gaze or close your eyes. Take deep belly breaths in through the nose and out through the nose and really feel those breaths coming in from the belly area and out, engaging our diaphragm as we're breathing and feeling a lot more grounded and relaxed more receptive to this amazing information that we're about to share with you. And as you continue this deep belly breathing, I invite you to focus your attention in the area of the heart, perhaps even holding your hand there, placing your hand on your heart if that feels comfortable, connecting with your heart, And as we continue this heart-focused breathing, I invite you to experience a regenerative feeling such as gratitude or appreciation for something or someone in your life. Perhaps visualize them or this thing that you're grateful for 
If it's a person, you can give them a big hug. Heck, if it's something, you can give it a big hug too. And just feel that moment of gratitude. One more deep breath in and relax, let it go. Beautiful, come back to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that with me today. And so today we have Jake here. Jake is a holistic nutritionist and a holistic movement expert who focuses on optimizing health. Being overweight and suicidal in his late teens, he was seeking help from professionals and they all failed him. That's when he took his health into his own hands and started to understand the human body from every aspect so that he can help himself. After achieving a state mentally and physically happy, he started helping others to do the same through his holistic approach to health. So welcome, 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 Jake. I'm super excited to Thank have you. you on here. Yes, we're going to be talking some really, really cool stuff. So before we begin, I'd we'll love to talk about. It. Yes, exactly. Um, before we begin, I'd love to know your story. So tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us um, how you got to where you are today. A little bit about your journey. Maybe not a little bit, like everything. Just tell us how you got to where you are today. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, there definitely needs to be context, right? Everybody, especially in our field, who goes into, you know, nutrition or training or whatever, um, just helping people tends to have their own kind of story and their 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 past that kind of shapes them and, and guides them to, to where they are now and who they help, right? Mine kind of started um, high school when my parents moved. I kind of lost all my friends and I resorted to playing video games. I was introvert. Um, I didn't like change. And over a couple of years, grade nine, 10, uh, and even before that, uh, I gained substantial amount of weight. And it was to the point where, you know, I didn't care. I didn't know anything. You're a kid, you know. And then when you're in high school, you're like, okay, maybe it's time, you know, puberty hits you. It's time to start looking for someone, maybe start dating or whatever. Start doing things as teenagers do. And you realize like, okay, things, uh, it's a little bit challenging. I remember the first time I asked a girl out and she pretty much told me no because I had man boobs. And that kind of really rocked me in my world because I didn't know what that was. I didn't know anything. And I just, you know, that was a pivotal moment for me. That was grade 10, almost in the end of grade 10. So I don't know how old you are at that time, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And before that school year ended, another kid told me I should commit suicide because I'm fat and fat people shouldn't live on this earth. So to give people context, I'm 6'1". And the heaviest I weighed was around 290, 295-ish, give or take the day and how much I ate. Um, which isn't like severely overweight and obese, but it is, it's, it's pure fat. I had no muscle on my body. Right. So that summer, um, I had a lot of, um, or before that summer, I had a lot of time to myself to really think like, what the heck am I going to do? I don't want to be bullied. I want to live my life and enjoy. And I want to, I want to take off my shirt because I always wore baggy shirts and it was a, a big thing with self-confidence that I was struggling with. So I went to good life and this is where, you know, in my bio, I say the experts fade, fail, failed me because I went to the good lives I spent my well-earned money on trainers and I actually hired a nutrition as well. That was recommended to me from someone at the good life. And for, for about what I think it was two months, I, I followed their advice and they simply just told me to eat more or sorry, move more, eat less. Mm -hmm. And the food that they were telling me to eat was literally just, you know, eat an apple, a, a snack every couple hours, not even focusing on protein, things that we'll probably get into later in this podcast, you know, have a granola bar, 
and just overexercise yourself, just do a lot of cardio. And, you know, they didn't even educate me on resistance training and the importance of building muscle. And I, I took it as gospel because at the end of the day, they were adults. And I thought that they were professionals in their, in their profession, right? So I did that. And that led me down a path where I did lose a lot of weight. I went from 290 to 161 uh, the following fall when I went back to school. So I lost well over 100 pounds in a few months. And that led me down a path that put me into serious um, body dysmorphia and a terrible relationship with food and my body, right? I had, uh, I was at a point where my body was pretty much getting no nutrition because uh, the food that I was eating, obviously it was not enough to sustain my body physiologically, um, just maintaining its own body weight. So my body was eating itself away. And that led me essentially to, you know, to a place where my body was so stressed, which we'll probably get into as well. And I started to vomit. I wanted to lose more calories lose more weight. And I thought, okay, let me just do this. And I got into this weird cycle. And obviously a lot of guys don't talk about this, but there's a lot of guys that suffer with this too. And that's why I lost a lot of weight because I was essentially eating nothing. And the granola bar or the apple or the yogurt that I was eating, I was vomiting it out 30 minutes later and just running 20 miles a day. And that's why, where I got to a point the following year where people didn't recognize me, I was skinny fat is what they call it. I couldn't even bench press as a guy, the bar, which is 45 pounds as a grade 11, 16 year old. And that led me down another path. <laughs> and that's kind of where my journey began is I just realized I can't trust people. I can't trust uh, authorities. I have to do things myself and try them out. And that's where I started Googling a lot of things and figuring out where I could go understand this stuff, get my education and understand how to do it the proper way, because this way hurts people and it doesn't give you the results you essentially need. Uh, that's kind of like a long story dumbed down in a little bit of a shorter version. Um, I don't know if that answers it right there for you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. No, for sure. And I, and I love that. It's true. A lot of people that get into what we're doing definitely have their own story and their own journey. And they just had such a, an epiphany or transformation that they just, I need to tell the world, this is my purpose. This is why I'm here. I know that happened with me and my digestive issues and also helping out my mom as well. And this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing too. So it's almost like we needed to go through that in order to be where 100%. we are today. I always say things happen for you. So that had to happen for you. A bit uh, a bit of a struggle for sure, but it's the reason why you're doing what you're doing, which is amazing work. And I can't wait to let you tell us all about it. So in terms of, obviously you've, you've done, you've made some mistakes and you've learned some lessons. So when it comes to, I'm curious to know when it comes to uh, muscle building, and maybe these are two different things, but you can take one at a time, and weight loss. What are some lessons learned that you're like, yeah, let me save you some time, money, and some <laughs> maybe tears as well. Don't do it this way. Like, Try something else. So what would you recommend to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. There's a few things, and I tell this to all my clients and people. You know, don't rush the process. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a sprint. Life is a marathon and results, the faster you lose the, the body fat, uh, the more damage you do your, to yourself, underlying damage. So, you know, mm -hmm. thyroid issues might, might happen. You might stress your body too much, which might lead to eating disorders, uh, sleep, anxiety, etc. Don't rush the process. A lot of people, especially with social media these days, they put, post all these transformations that are really not realistic. A lot of it has to do with Photoshop and, it's their body. It's what works for them. It might not work for you. What works for me doesn't work for you. What work for somebody else. And the biggest thing I say is don't follow any cookie cutter programs because most of the time they won't work. 
and take your time, educate yourself, you know, really be in tune with your body because nobody knows it uh, better than you. I don't even know my own body. I haven't perfected it. And wh who to say that somebody else knows my body better than me, right? So the best advice I have to people is always, you know, get a journal or something, your phone even, and then notes, just start writing down things you're eating, how you're feeling, because mm -hmm. the food turns into you, it turns into how you feel essentially. And you alluded to your digestive issues and that all pretty much came from food, most of it. Um, so the biggest advice I would have is take your time and do it slowly, but pick one goal at a time. Don't try and, you know, if you want to build muscle and you want to lose fat, these things are, you can't do them at the same time unless you're, you're taking performance enhancing drugs, which I was down that path as well. And I don't obviously uh, encourage any of anybody to do that. That was my past. But point being is if you're trying to lose body fat, you have to be in a deficit meaning your body needs to be eating less calories than your body needs to maintain its own weight. So having a journal tracking gives you kind of good insight into that or using an app like I usually use with my clients. Um, and also if you're trying to build muscle, like a lot of guys that I work with, they kind of have this, this ego comes in where they want to get bigger, build muscle, but then they want to look really good and have low body fat. But it's, 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 it's impossible. Like at the end of the day, to build muscle tissue on your body, you need a surplus of food coming in. To lose mm -hmm. fat, you need a deficit. So a lot of people are stuck in no man's land. And I'm finding a lot of females are there too, where they want to get stronger and toned. Toned mm -hmm. is simply just more muscle, but they want to look really good and lean at the same time, having low body fat. And they have these competing battles in their head where they really don't, they have to pick a goal and follow through with it, essentially, is what I'm saying. So, so then how would, would you recommend one do that for three months, get, let's say, lose the, release the fat, get at an optimal body fat mass, and then get into the lean. Is that what you would recommend? Or, or it's uh, kind it's of like, like <laughs> yeah, so my answer is, I always say it depends and it frustrates people because context is everything. Mm. It all comes down to the person's past, but to give some general sweeping, uh, sweeping um, recommendations, you know, three to four months is a good time uh, to be in a cutting phase or mm -hmm. a phase where you're in a deficit losing body fat. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to building muscle, it's significantly more harder than losing body fat. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot longer to build muscle. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that everybody, regardless if you're a man, a woman, whatever your, your goal is, if you're an athlete or not, that should be your goal because muscle is a really good predictor of longevity. Yes. And mo most people in the, in, when, when they're older, you know, they suffer from, from muscle loss and also they suffer from infections, which usually come from broken bones, right? And bones are made up of protein and muscles support the bones, right? And we could obviously go down that path, but that's why I'm such an advocate of resistance training and, and spending a good period of time where you're building a good side of muscle because it'll protect you. And it's a really good reservoir for essentially dumping out glucose from your blood into your muscles, your muscles store it, right? So it helps with like diabetic reasons and blood sugar complications. So amongst many other things, right? Mm -hmm. So resistance training, it's true for midlife women as well. That's, uh, that's huge. We, we think cardio, 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 but at the end of the day, we need to be more doing more resistance training because that also helps with fat loss too. But women think, well, not women, but in general, there's this whole notion that cardio is king basically. And resistance training is just for somebody that wants to bulk up, which is not true because you can do, be doing resistance training and not be aiming for that bulking um, physique, I guess. It, it's just more to have more strength, right? So how often well, do, yeah. Well, the thing is like, yes. And, you know, being in the gym industry before going online, 
I've worked with a lot of women. I've done thousands of consults as well. Um, because before my nutrition career, I was, uh, a trainer and I didn't like being called a personal trainer because it was just a weird connotation. I just want to be called like a movement expert because understanding how to exercise is critically important. You know, a lot of classes out there, Zumba and these high intensity classes, you know, they're great for elevating your heart rate and having a quote unquote workout, but they're not like the most effective strategy to actually build muscle. That's why a lot of people, they don't change their physiques. Like, I don't know if you come across this, but being in the gym industry for over a decade, I've seen people come in every single year their body doesn't change because they don't know how to train properly and women i'm not being sexist or anything but they have they're scared to lift weights it's changing now i'm realizing mm -hmm. uh they're becoming more confident but they think that they're going to get bulky mm -hmm. but that's not the case right they get bulky because of the inflammation and probably the excess food that they're eating and not the muscle muscle is very hard to build for a guy like guys want to build muscle and it's hard for females it's like 10 times harder and they've done studies on this because of the hormonal levels, right? We mm -hmm. have significantly higher level, levels of testosterone. So don't be scared to lift your weights, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. So when you're talking about uh, doing it right, is it this whole functional movement? Is that what functional movement is? When you're, yeah, when... Yes and no. Functional okay. movement is just doing movements that have carry over to everyday life. So for example, obviously okay. going on a machine um, takes away a lot of what people say stabilizing muscles that you really wouldn't like it's an unconventional movement you really wouldn't be doing it in nature as uh -huh. we evolved with humans like for example squatting yes. with weight all the way down until your hamstrings touch your calves is a functional movement right pushing something over your head like an overhead press is a functional movement correct right? so incorporating those but obviously making sure that you're lifting more and more weight and not being scared to lift more weight because at the end of the day, the muscles are smart and they adapt and they want to adapt because humans are adaptation machines. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So in terms of um, a sort of a, a routine, would you recommend um, weight resistance training three times a week or how does that work? Because I know that if I work all my legs, oh, they're sore for at least three days <laughs> so yeah. i can't i know that means i did it well <laughs> that's why they're sore but like but it really i can just do it twice a week maybe sometimes just once and is that enough well it all comes down to again context like to give general uh, recommendations i always tell people two mm -hmm. to three times a week and if somebody has time constraints which most people tell me they do, but they don't. Once I start figuring out their lifestyle and where they spend their time, yeah. they're watching Netflix at yeah. night for hours. <laughs> um, you know, research is really, really pointing to frequency these days. So what that means is rather than, you know, what most people do these days, you know, the bodybuilder splits, even women do them where they train legs one day, they'll train arms one day, um, and then kind of go through the whole body that way through the week. Mm -hmm. uh, frequency. So the more times you can train a muscle in a week, the better it is and muscles recover up to about 48 hours every 48 hours give or take even if you're sore okay um and the stimulus you get when you train you stimulate what's called mTOR it's mm -hmm. a it's a signal molecule mammalian target of rapamycin which allows your body to to build muscle it's it's elevated for anywhere between 24 to 48 hours and then it kind of goes down so when i'm programming for people i always especially if time constraint is is important for them and they don't have that much time three full body workouts a week so like monday rest a day or two do it maybe wednesday or do it thursday rest a day or two do it again saturday or friday kind of thing um, and then you're getting the best of both worlds you're getting the frequency you're optimizing your rest and your recovery 
Um, and I mean, I, in a perfect world, that'd be the way I'd formulate it for most people. It, but if they have more time, then obviously we get a little bit more specific depending on their goals and such, mm-hmm. but three times and a you, week. And you would work out the entire body. Yes. Me personally, right now I'm training six days a week because I'm, I'm training for competition. So obviously that's a lot different, mm-hmm. but for general middle of people, uh, three times a week is a very good base and a foundation. And uh-huh. then, you know, incorporating, you know, cardio, I don't even like using that word because it's got a bad connotation to it. People think that you just go on the treadmill or you go running and that's cardio. But the definition of cardio is essentially just elevating your heart rate. And you could do that very well whilst resistance training. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally do zero cardio. The only cardio I do is walking my dog and resistance training. I don't ever go for jogs Mm -hmm. um, unless you're a marathon runner want to do that. Or it genuinely uh, allows you to feel really good after you run or the runner's high. Right. But yeah. for most people, I would try and avoid doing long, long distance runs. Um, yeah. And not for your resistance training as your cardio. You're just not training hard enough if your heart rate isn't elevated enough. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So why would you discourage the long distance running? Is it because it's um, it's pretty stressful on the body, like physically stressful, especially after a certain age? So the age, um, I don't have an answer to that. Um, okay. I mean, I've seen some people in their in their 40s, 50s, 60s running and, and no orthopedic issues at all, no knee, ankle pain, hip, nothing. You know, there's anomalies out there. There's people that um, take care of themselves. This is very hard to say. But the way my, I approach my life and my clients, it's more ancestral. So I try and understand it from a scope of mm. what did humans do and what are we evolved to do? You know, we're bipeds. We have two legs. We're meant to walk long distances and we're meant to sprint. We could sprint very fast for short periods of time. So you want to mimic that, like thinking about it, it wouldn't make sense for humans to jog long periods of time because what happens when you're running for long periods of time, you're burning a lot of energy. It's not very conducive for the human, right? And even if you compare it in modern contexts, marathon runners aren't usually the bodies that people strive to get, right? If you look at marathon runners, they're quote unquote skinny fat. They're very small. Yeah. They have low body fat, but they carry a lot of body fat around their lower abdominals. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a stress response. It's the mm-hmm. visceral fat that's there for the organs in times of need. And marathon runners are in times of need all the time because they're over exercising mm-hmm. consistently. And most of the time their nutrition isn't really good. Uh, so it's a whammy from both ends of that, uh, of the spectrum. What I would, and also, yeah, your, your, your joints. Most people are running on concrete. Yeah. Uh, they're not running on, on fields and grass, which is a first problem. The second problem is most people are wearing terrible footwear. They're wearing elevated heels, which is the worst thing you could do. You'd obviously want to be as barefoot as possible. It's just most people, because we sit all day, the way we live our life, it's not very conducive to just go out and start running. Running is a skill. Most people think that when you just go out and run that you're, you're quote unquote a specialist. No, you need to learn how to run. Most mm-hmm. people don't even know how to run properly, right? So very deep topic to get into, but uh, <laughs> for long-term health, I would not advise doing long distance running for sure. I would just say walk more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Be out in nature as well, right? Good. Exactly. Uh, double benefit sunlight or, or uh, any other type of light, even before the sunset too. That's pretty, really pretty as well. So what do you think of spinning? Cause I'm a spinner. I love to spin. I hate running, but I love my spin class. <laughs> Listen, like, what are your um, thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> if you're spinning long distances, I personally think for joint health, that's a lot better. I'm not mm. going to lie. Mm. If you look at a lot of spinners, like their legs are very developed. Yeah. It's a really good stimulus. It's a very uh, concentric stimulus. It's not an eccentric. So what that means is 
it doesn't cause as much damage as something like for so concentric being like a push right with your legs you're consistently pushing you're resisting a pro you're resisting a profile but your body on the weight back isn't getting any tension so for example if you're doing a squat and you're lowering yourself that's the eccentric lifting yourself up is the concentric your body breaks itself down more the muscles in the eccentric so the lowering phase mm -hmm. in the concentric it's not really breaking itself down so what that means is you could do longer periods of it without really having so much damage even though your legs might be full of lactic acid which is a waste product of energy uh -huh. um so that's probably why your legs feel pumped up what i'm trying to say is it's it's a lot healthier long term than doing something like running but if that's your main source of exercise i would try and reconfigure that to to use it as a supplement to resistance training yeah right? okay so that, so that, yeah that's what i'm doing actually right now i do my leg workouts and then i do my spin workout as well on the same day right after hey that's that's beast mode right there i mean if you could do it <laughs> yeah go yeah because then it's Champion. like okay, let's really kill my leg. that's what i said my legs kill for like the next three days <laughs> yeah that's a lot that's a lot maybe, maybe that's why okay maybe. But like i don't want people to, to listen to this and be like oh my god this guy's saying you know cardio is awful no like yeah if you love doing it, who mm -hmm. am I to say, stop doing it? That's what I always tell people. Same thing with nutrition. If, if what you're eating is working for you and serving you, why, why, why change it? Right. It's the same thing for your training. If you're having a great time, you're enjoying yourself. Why change it? Right. But yeah. when, when problems start to rise, that's when we really got to dissect it and be a detective and figure out what we can change What's here. going on. Yeah. Or when you're not getting the body that you want, right. And you're doing all this work, it's like, okay, you want to be a lot more efficient with your time as well. Right. Even mm -hmm. though it's fun, but yeah, we need to be a little bit more efficient. So I do love it. And I definitely see the, the, the response with my, with my body too. So that's why I'm going to keep Amazing. doing it. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's get it. Thank you for that. That's really, really yeah. awesome. Let's get into cold therapy. And sure. yeah, tell me, um, like, how, how did you get into it? And when is the next time you're going to jump in the lake? Because I definitely want to come. So I, I hate okay. the winter. I'm such a non winter person. I just want to go somewhere whenever when it's winter. But I start I actually experienced my first ice bath two weeks ago, not too long ago. Oh. Yeah. And well, I started with the showers. So I was doing the showers and I was doing hot yoga coming home because it's literally three minutes away and then hopping in cold shower right away. So I, I was loving it. And then I was like, okay, I need more. I need more. I think it's just such a natural, you, you know, you want to take your body to the next level. Oh, I can handle this. Let's do an ice bath. So I did that the first time. Let me tell you, like, it was amazing. Have you ever tried parasailing before? No, I have not. So when you parasail, like you get to this, you know, you hear all the people on the beach and you hear the water, you hear like music or whatever, because I did it in Mexico. Then you get to a certain level that you don't hear anything. You don't even, you don't even hear the birds. It's really eerie, actually. Wow. So when I jumped into the water, I had a very similar experience. So I, I did the Wim Hof uh, breathing and then we put it in, into a little meditation. And then when I came into the water, I used that same breathing and that same sort of meditative state. And I did not, she was talking to me. I did not hear her. There was other girls talking and I did not hear them at all. I was into the state of bliss, really. That's why I'm like, okay, I want to do it again. And now it's going to be a lake. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the experience I got. It was my first time. So can you imagine how addicted I am to it now? <laughs> like, okay. Oh, that's exactly what it is, you know? So <laughs> yeah. is that how you, like, how did you start with these cold plunges? Again, like, 
I'm just trying to figure out how to optimize the human body any way mm-hmm. I can. And so like understanding, listening to thousands of podcasts and reading as many books as I can. I don't even read, listen to audiobooks on fast so I could get through it faster. Mm-hmm. You know, you come across things and you come across like humans evolved with the cold. And I was like, no, that's BS. Humans evolved from the equator. Sure. And then, you know, they migrated up north. And then, you know, we hear of benefits with the heat. You know, most people yeah. who are closer to the equator, they have the benefit of being around sun longer, right? Mm. So what that means is they have more vitamin D, meaning that they're more insulin sensitive amongst many other things. That's why fruits grow there. Fruits are, are abundant near the equator and people can tolerate them better year round near the equator because vitamin D promotes insulin sensitivity or GLUT4 receptors, which allow more sugar into the cells. Uh, so I kind of was, I heard that from somebody. I'm like, okay, interesting. I looked it up. I'm like, okay, fascinating. So humans evolved with their environment. Mm-hmm. What about people in the North? What about the cold? I'm sure people in the cold adapted to certain things. And sure enough, the cold offers similar benefits to the heat. It's just very uncomfortable or what people these days think it's very uncomfortable because we're so conditioned to having everything controlled, right? If it's hot, we want cold air conditioning. If we're cold, we have heat. Uh, we put layers on. We don't really embrace the temperature in our environment where we are located. And I think that's the big disconnect. Um, mm-hmm. Most people that um, try the cold, they they obviously hate it because they hate being cold. But once you understand the, the health benefits, and it was a part of human evolution to be cold and to be dis- in discomfort, then you might embrace it a little bit more and you might not feel as as though you know your life is ending as you experienced it's it's very blissful and it puts you into a state of trans almost it's addicting <laughs> i tried it a few years ago and i was doing it but it gets to the point where it's not cold enough you know mm. and i don't want to be buying tubs and tubs of ice so what i do is i do it i don't do it all the time because obviously your body adapts Mm-hmm. Um, in the winter, this past winter, I did about 80, 82 or 83 days in a row in a river. I was living in Georgetown, so in the in, in farm area. Mm-hmm. And every day I would go in for a dip and sometimes I would stay in there five, 10 minutes. And it got to the point where the water wasn't even cold enough. Wow. You know, around March, February, March. Yeah. And wow. then now the water, even the lake here, Lake Ontario, um, it's not cold enough for me. Like I don't feel the same. So I'm just waiting to mm-hmm. kind of get that shock once maybe October, November comes. Um, but I advise, uh, I would encourage everybody to start with cold showers. I always yeah. tell people, you know, start with a minimum effective dose, right? MED mm-hmm. is what I say. So clients, I usually get them starting like five seconds at the end of their warm shower and then acclimate it. Usually around a minute to two minutes is like a sweet spot where you kind of get that euphoric feeling and you get a feeling of like, I'm not even that cold. Mm-hmm. So it, you find your balance and you find what you can do and tolerate. There's no perfect formula. From what I've read and what most people recommend in the space is one to two minutes. Um, you don't have to do much longer, especially if you're not um, trained in breath work, because mm-hmm. breath work is very important and it will allow you to tolerate the cold a little bit better. So, yeah, and it's free. That's the beautiful thing. I'm an advocate exactly. of as, ma- as many free things as you can do that really have that move the lever. And, you know, breath work, meditation, cold, hot therapy. These are things that are free and aren't advertised as much, unfortunately, because there's not a lot of money in it, right? Yes, so. of course. So what are some of the benefits of, a, of the cold plunge? Yeah, well, it's not just a cold plunge. Like even in the winter, just getting cold. So mm-hmm. rather than putting on a jacket, just go outside with a sweater, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to go every day and do a cold shower for two minutes or a dip in the lake for 10 minutes like I do. I just like that. Ex- I'm an extreme person and I like having pushing my boundaries pushing the human boundaries, right? 
Um, so the most fascinating benefit that I personally found and what I used it for was uh, for parasympathetic toning or cardiovascular toning is what they call it. So the cold is a stressor. It's a big stressor. And anytime most people go into water, they, they get shocked and they're like, they start hyper hyperventilating. And sometimes, you know, hyperthermia comes in and sometimes people may have even cardiac arrest from it because it's a huge shock. And the body all it wants to do is try and warm itself up. When your body's in a state of stress, a lot of things shut down in that situation and your body reg upregulates its heartbeat and then shuns blood flow away from the peripheral tissue. So your arms and legs and kind of wants to heat the core up because mm -hmm. it only cares about your heart and your organs doesn't really care about your hands and your feet. Yeah. That's why diabetics usually stop losing feeling in their fingers and toes. Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent, but no, no, it's fine. That's very the, interesting. The cold once without breath work, if you expose yourself to the cold, your body will get better at shunting blood flow to the peripheral tissue and warming itself up. It's just an adaptation. If the way that I did it is I trained my body to naturally heat itself up with the combination of breath work to try and get as many things as I can working for myself so that my body can adapt as quickly and be very efficient at it. So when I first started doing it, I realized, okay, if I just jump in the cold, I'm not prepared. Like I'm freezing. Like some days I'd be freezing until the whole day. I'm like shaking. I did a hot bath. I'm like, oh my God, this is really brutal. I can't do this every day. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, Wim Hof, I read his book. I, I listened to a bunch of his interviews, uh, a few other doctors, a few other nutritionists too, all sorts of people. And I'm like, okay, there's, there's something to this breath work. So Wim Hof is a big proponent of pretty much uh, hyperventilating in a way. Uh, to get your sympathetic nervous system aroused before you jump into water or submerge yourself. So it's almost as if that effect of the hyper hyperventilation almost numbs the effects of the cold in a way. Mm -hmm. Me, I did it the other way around. I didn't want to numb those effects. I actually did a very parasympathetic breath, right? To calm myself as much as I can. Once I get in, continue doing the same thing, right? So I'm fighting my body's stress response rather than almost covering it up because I've done the Wim Hof breathing before. And I realized I could tolerate the cold like significantly more because you're super oxygenating yourself in a way. Um, and me personally, it didn't work as well for me. I found that, you know, I didn't get the benefits of the cold. Like I didn't feel the same neurologically because there's a lot of benefits for feeling really good and elevating dopamine levels and serotonin. But doing the calm breathing where I'm a big proponent of nasal breathing because with your nose, that's like the organ for breathing. Your mouth is really not efficient at bringing oxygen into the lower lobes of the lungs because the lungs are made in a way where they're bigger at the bottom and small at the top. So with your mouth, you can't really fully oxygenate the lower lobes of the lungs where the alveoli sacs are, these little sacs that pretty much uh, disperse oxygen into all the vasculature, whereas na nasal breathing does that. So I would do very deep nasal alternating breathing with my nose, right? Um, and really be in a calm place so that once I get into the cold, I'm training my nervous system and my breathing, I'm making sure that my breath is not elevating so I can control it. It's all about control at the end of the day. And there's no other feeling. I can tell you this right now, and you probably experienced it like being really cold. You don't think about anything else. You're just in that moment. <laughs> yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Right. So that's kind of the way that I did it. And the benefits for me, it was bringing me into the present moment. Cause I'm mm -hmm. so frustrated with all these distractions we have these days. Yeah, It's everywhere. And just, being in that moment, it, it, it literally feels like you're having a few shots of espresso without the anxiety. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like you're so sharp for the whole day that I actually stopped drinking coffee. That was my impetus to stop drinking coffee, which I didn't realize, but mm -hmm. it actually was that one thing that was like, okay, like 
I don't need coffee. It puts me too much over the edge. If I do, the cold is, is just enough. And the other benefit was fat loss. And this is where things get interesting. Mm-hmm. So are you very familiar with cold exposure or not really? In terms of its benefits? Yes. I'm getting into it now. I'm really getting okay. into it now. Okay. That and breath work I'm getting into. Yeah. Okay. I'll <laughs> send you some cool things on uh, the cold exposure that go beyond my understanding. I understand that I just can't explain it as well as some of these people who have been studying it for decades. But when it comes to fat loss, what I realized actually before I, I delved into the research was when I was doing the cold exposure every day, I started to eat more food, but I was getting leaner. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what's going on here physiologically? Yeah. So once you dive into the research, you find out, first of all, you have different compositions of body fat, right? You don't just mm-hmm. have like this fat that jiggles uh, on your stomach if you have it or not. You have white fat, you have brown fat. You have beige fat, okay? Three different types of fat colors, essentially. And I'll explain the difference. The white fat, it's just does nothing really. It actually does some things. It's very inflammatory in a way. Visceral fat would be considered white fat. So the stuff around your organs or the subcutaneous fat underneath the skin. Then you have your brown fat. Why it's brown is because under a microscope, it's, it's very dense in mitochondria and mitochondria mm-hmm. kind of look like brownish red. And then beige fat is kind of the intermediate stage where white fat, it can turn into beige fat. And we know if you know anything about mitochondria, which most people do it, like it's the stuff that gives you energy, Mm -hmm. right? It's the powerhouse of the cell, what people say, but it does a lot more than that. Without it, you're, we would not be alive essentially, right? The more of it you have, the longer you'll live. It's a predictor for longevity. The more you have of it, the more energy you'll have throughout the day. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of benefits to it. All right. So what we want to achieve is mitochondrial biogenesis. So the creation of more of it and cold exposure does that because what it does is it allows the white fat to convert into beige, which then goes into brown fat and brown fat is very dense or high in mitochondria. That's why the analogy I give to people, well, it's not mine paraphrasing here from someone babies, they don't shiver, right? Why don't they shiver? It's because their fat is predominantly brown fat, keeps them warm, prevents them from shivering. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is humans, we've, we've stepped back from these adaptations that the humans evolved with because of, you know, heating and cooling mm-hmm. and homes. Convenience. And we don't have the, exactly. We don't have the ability to have these adaptations and these benefits happen. Humans can tolerate the cold very well. This past winter, I never, I, I don't, I think I wore a jacket once and we've had like minus 25 days. Uh, I was just wearing a sweater and just a t-shirt under because mm-hmm. I truly believe that humans can tolerate the cold. And my goal will be to be wearing a shirt only this following winter. And I believe I can do it. If we get enough brown fat, it warms you up and you stay warm. But the benefit of that is by warming your body up through the creation of new mitochondria, that's a very energy dense process. And your body burns a bunch of calories doing that. And that's why I realized I was hungrier, but at the same time, I was getting leaner because my body was just burning way too much throughout the day because of the cold exposure in the morning. So that was actually the main benefit. And that's why I think I'm going to do it even, even more this year to really see and how much uh, I could push my body with how much I can eat whilst doing this um, to kind of be like a end of one study to see if I could really use this as a serious protocol for people who are really overweight, who really can't, can't work out mm-hmm. or don't want to uh, and just have access to cold, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because I think I heard you speak about Jack Cruz, right? Is this who you're talking about? 
that's the guy dr jack yeah yeah i've heard of him well a while back yes so he's doing all kinds of experiments he he's a funny guy i heard him once say i don't know why people are masturbating to like uh you know mice and rat studies when you know he's got all kinds of human studies but no one i'm not sure how how he's because he's very controversial now but i'm not sure how many people are, are listening to him now and um in terms of his studies, what he's done with with humans and how if they're actually applying his protocols, because I listened to him a while ago and he was saying, like, come on, people, I'm doing all these experiments or all these like amazing research with my clients. But no, I need the rat studies and the, the mice studies to actually be published. Right. So I heard him right. say that once and I thought, like, yeah, he's right. So, yes, go cool. Go ahead. Do this research and let us know how it goes. That'd be so cool. Yeah, Jack Cruz. Um I would recommend everybody Google's uh, The Ancient Pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has an article that's like 20 something pages, very small font, and it's very <laughs> sciencey. Like, honestly, I have some difficulty understanding it. Uh, but this ancient pathway that he talks about, it's essentially the pathway of leptin sensitivity. So, leptin is a hormone that pretty much gauges hunger and satiety in the body, how mm-hmm. full you are. And a lot of people have. Uh, leptin resistance so he suggests that people before they get diabetes or insulin resistance so the inability for your body to take in sugar to metabolize it essentially rather than it roaming around the blood and causing damage uh, what precedes that is leptin resistance and he says the ancient pathway of the cold is the key to making your body insulin or sorry leptin sensitive and therefore insulin uh, sensitive. Mm-hmm. And he says just with cold, he's used it on his clients and for himself yeah. to lose not only a bunch of weight, but improve those health markers to the point where, you know, people get off medications without even touching a weight or doing anything else, but getting cold exposure. Mm-hmm. And this ancient pathway article is, especially if you're very sciencey and into that stuff, that's, that's the one. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. I'll have to look that up for sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. He, he talks about circadian rhythm too. So that he, that plays a role as well. Just getting out and oh, being big. yeah outside and in, in the light, which is crazy now, especially now everyone's working from home and we're just like exasperating that problem. We're not getting enough sunlight. We're not getting enough natural light. We're all, we're under blue light you know, laptops, uh, our phones, it's just a, a bit of a disaster, a bit of a shit show, actually. <laughs> so we need to, as much it as is. possible, just get out and, and just be in nature and sunlight and as much as possible. I know he spends most of his day from what I've heard outside, which it's, it's nice if you have that luxury, but most people have to actually work indoors. Right. But I always say, um, morning routines, Evening routines are key, especially if you're working full time and you don't have that flexibility, you have 30 minutes, Amen. right? You've got 30 minutes to do whatever it is. That you need to Everybody do. does. Yeah. First thing in the morning, <laughs> get it out of the way or like in the evening for sure. So I'm a big proponent of um, evening routines and morning routines and I try to stick by it too. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Same yeah. here. Like what, what, would, what would you do? What's your main thing for morning routines? Would you say? Oh, get outside first thing. Like, so I I do, and I stack. So I'm I'm reading um, some books on habits, and I think um, James Clear, the Atomic Habits. So he talks, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So he talks about stacking your habits, right, so that you're not doing a million things, or then then you will run out of time for sure. So I go outside. I have this like Chinese medicine mat that I basically step on. It's the 
these spikes that I step on for like 10 minutes and I'm listening to either a podcast or a YouTube video and I'm doing breath oh, work. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's, you're stacking right there. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. So that's like my oh, first 10 minutes and then I'll do some squats depending if I'm going to yoga, then I'll go to yoga. If not, you know, then I'll do um, some squats and then I'll have my coffee. But yeah, so I won't touch my coffee for like a good, maybe half an hour before, but it's not like it gives me that, oh, I'm up. It's really, it's literally just, I really do enjoy it. So again, going back to, you know, what makes you feel good as well. Exactly. So it's not, it's not like I, I need it. I can go days without a coffee that's how i know that i'm not addicted to it it's just kind of a, a pleasure thing right oh just the smell alone is very um aromatic you know, euphoric for me yeah aromatic yeah. Euphoric. I mean, <laughs> it's but, true yeah i mean coffee first thing in the morning um exactly what you're doing i think is very smart personally is not having that coffee upon waking yeah. up i would have it after that sunrise right so Yes. Um, yeah. Amen. I do the similar stuff to you. Um, I take the dog. Unfortunately, my walks are very early, like 530, kind of before the sun. Uh-huh. And I listen to a podcast and I try and be barefoot even around the suburbs here where we are mm-hmm. um, walking on concrete like an idiot uh, barefoot as much as I can. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get some looks, we start some conversations sometimes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's worth it in the end, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And then and then what do you do? So what's your morning routine like your morning walk? So what time do you go to sleep to wake up that early? Because I'm really trying uh, hard. Yeah, the sleep is interesting. Again, we, this is a very deep topic to get into. Um, you know, eight hours, nine hours, there's no definitive time. Um, what I understand is if your body is very healthy and less inflamed, you don't need as much sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the principle that I go by. And that's why sick people usually sleep longer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, five, six hours is all I need. So I'll go to bed. Mm-hmm. I try and go to bed before 10. Um, the most days, 9.30, uh, 10 o'clock. Some days, obviously, we're human. We make mistakes. But I'm, I'm up at 5, 4.45 every day. Um, and that's just habit. You know, most days, I don't even need an alarm clock. It's just the way I like to, to set my days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just my time. Then the day goes. And I, I find as the day goes on, uh, like this is late for me, right? I, I, my IQ just drops and my emotional quotient drops too. So um yeah i mean everybody the way i see it is you have to find what works for you and what you enjoy and most successful people you know they follow other successful people uh you know and success is very subjective success in in health wealth whatever it might be most people have morning routines and they wake up earlier uh for a reason because it works right and giving yourself Mm -hmm. certain tenets uh, to adhere to you know rituals in the morning that you don't deviate from and in the evening kind of start your day and end your day exactly what you mentioned would be the wisest thing people who anybody could do essentially mm-hmm. i i think right yeah no for sure i agree have you heard of um the chronotypes i forget his name he wrote a book on chronotypes so it's basically- yeah, michael bruce yeah, right. So not everybody has that um, capability. And, and you basically answer some questions. It's a quiz. And then it tells you your chronotype where your optimal time to be doing, to be sleeping, your optimal time to be doing other activities, working out as well, I think he mentions too. So I think yeah, not everybody, like the- a morning person, bird, you know, that morning person. So a lot of people are also night um, people as well. So, but then you think like, you know, the liver does most of its work between what, 10 and 2 or 2 p.m., right? So it's kind of like, okay, I know I'm not a morning person, but, you know, there's lots of things happening in the evening that I should be resting for or at least in bed, right? Yeah, so Michael Bruce, yeah, he wrote that book. And I think it's the, 
what is it? The bear, the lion, the dolphin, yeah. and there's one more I'm missing. Um, and you know, I don't know if there's a lot, I mean, he says there's a lot of science to it and based off of what people uh, like and enjoy quizzes more so. But at the end of the day, um, Matt Walker, PhD, he wrote the book, Why We Sleep. He, had a, he has a lot of very compelling arguments in there and research to back it up. He says, especially for circadian rhythm, like humans evolved with the sun, we mm. didn't have artificial light and it was not conducive for humans to be out past sunset. Yep. Um, for me, that makes most sense. Why would humans be up during the night and why would they be productive? Um, and also he says, what, what, what did he end up saying? That was, that was kind of interesting. He says the best way to reset your circadian rhythm is just go into the woods for a week and see what time your body naturally wakes up and what time naturally it goes to bed. And they've done studies on that. I think it was like 48,000 people he referenced it in his book. And um, over the course of 10 years, they took different groups into different uh, places of the US, uh, like kind of like remote. And most people go to bed like when the sun sets, you know, they're not night owls. They're just tired and they wake up literally with the sun. So, yeah, you know, what works for you if you eliminate artificial uh, light? You know, what time would you go to bed at, right? It's so true. So I was in Nicaragua as part of my IHN uh, co-op. I don't know if you guys had that oh. option when you went. So yeah, we, were, well, we didn't take it. <laughs> uh, I definitely did. I'm like, what? We can go away and get some uh, our uh, our hours in that way. So I did that. And she didn't have, obviously, overhead lighting. There was Wi-Fi was only in the common area. So I wanted to be in my room. So literally, and there, because they're right on the equator, the sun sets at six by six twenty. It's dark, like pitch dark. I'm talking like 11, 12 o'clock. Wow. Yeah. So there's literally nothing to do. Right. So, uh, we would eat, um, go for our walk. And by eight 30, nine o'clock, I was out tired and ready for bed. Hey. And I was up at five in the morning and I was there, super there shocked. Go. Yeah. Up with the rooster. I don't know if it was the rooster that woke <laughs> me up or it was just me, but yes. So I totally believe that. Yeah. Go, get yourself into an environment where you're away from all of this and like reset your circadian rhythm and then try to mimic it here. Right. Cause it is doable for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's genius. And that, like common sense is a big thing that I go by and I, I understand, <laughs> sure. you know, practicality and some people, they have long hour shift work, which I recommend that you never do shift work because that's probably the worst thing you could do. <laughs> Like money, money aside, you have to, you have to find a lifestyle and a way of living that serves you and health, health is wealth. Um, no amount of, of wealth is ever going to buy back your health is what I say. So, you know, exactly what I'm saying, what you're saying, what you preach to your ladies, you, you got to make health your new wealth, you know? It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. I believe that. Yeah. And that's why we're, we're doing the work we're doing, right? Just to get yeah, that message out it. there. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to have to interview you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because you're starting one too, right? You're. Yeah, I've just been behind. Obviously, I, I went to Florida. There were some things that happened and coming back, just getting situated. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'd love to be a guest. So what um, what is getting you excited these days in terms of what's out there? What are some, I don't want to use the word biohack, but maybe some hacking things that you're looking into and share with us? <laughs> Yeah, honestly, it's, there's so many things, but at the end of the day, I, I find, you know, science is, a, is progressing faster than we can comprehend. And at, at least that's what I believe. But at the end of the day, it always comes back to the basic principles of health mm -hmm. that we keep coming back to. You know, there's always things that come out, these sexy gadgets and, and supplements, pills and potions, the new diet. But at the end of the day, most 
you know, the top, uh, you know, naturopathic doctors or functional doctors out in Europe in the States that I follow, they always keep coming back to the basic principles, you know, grounding, stress-free environment, community, positive mindset, exercising, moving, movement is life, right? And eating single ingredient foods that mother nature provides us, right? What excites me still to this day, and I think I'm always going to be into this is the cold and the heat, the, the cold and the heat exposure. I mean, there's something to it that I want to completely master and understand. And it's just something that we evolved with is these temperatures. And I think temperature is a huge, not only um, benefit for the circadian rhythm, but also for many physiological functions and it's free. And I think that the more people are educated about things that benefit them and it's free, you know, it's a no brainer. And I just want to understand it and kind of push it more to the mainstream because I, I hate when people have to spend loads of money on things that are kind of useless. Mm -hmm. I mean, supplements aren't useless. They, they have a place, but uh, the way that this world is going, a lot of it's for greed and money. And unfortunately, most people don't need many supplements. They maybe just need to find maybe a different partner. Their partner's toxic. Who knows? There's a lot of things that go into it, but <laughs> you know, but yeah, the heat and the cold temperature, temp temperature excites me. And I think, uh, if, if we, if humans expose to themselves to the actual temperatures, like if they actually were hot in the summer, uh, for example, where we're living here and then put the air conditioning on, there would be benefits. And then when the cold comes, just get a little bit uncomfortable and embrace it and your body will thank you. So. Okay, awesome. So I like how you say the foundationals, um, the found like the founding sort of non-negotiables. Because I actually created six pillars of self-care, and it's got mindset, breath work, um, sleep, connection, yeah. metabolism, and movement. So those are like my non-negotiables. You want to work Amazing. with me? We need to get these things aligned, these things right, and we could start with one, and then kind of. Cause that's exactly what happened with me. That was my transformation. I started with one and then it's like, okay, then everything else kind of sort of fell into place and because I started adding other things to it as well. So I started with my metabolism, then my sleep, then my movement, well, along with my metabolism and sleep, and then my mindset as well. Cause obviously I wasn't eating crap anymore. So I was able, the right neurochemicals were actually being created. So I was actually able to exactly. think more clearly have more clarity have that attention have that focus so it's i love that like you said that it's all about the foundational stuff we don't need to get fancy with all these gadgets i mean that could be a plus for sure to monitor uh, maybe for some addicts like me but not everybody needs to be spending so much money on these gadgets i agree thank you for that that's yeah Really cool. Yeah, it's gadgets yeah, are nice and sexy, and you know it's it's nice. Everyone's looking for the new pill. You know, I've worked in the supplement industry as well. I was a manager at a store, and it's just every industry you go into is something new and better. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the basics down, you're wasting your time and your money. Exactly. Yes, and, expensive pee. That's what I say. Very expensive pee. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so you don't. And you can't sell it to anybody either. So. <laughs> So you can't, you don't take any supplements then? Uh, certain things, again, context. So I don't want people to get this out of context. I'm yeah. training six days a week. Um, I'm training for a competition. So I'm in a serious calorie deficit right now of about 900 calories. So in that kind of context, um, I do take certain supplements. The only ones I take <clears throat> are protein powder. Um, mm -hmm. And what else do I take? Essential amino acids during my training because I want to ensure that my body doesn't lose a millimeter of muscle mm -hmm. <laughs> while I'm cutting. So 
um, context. I don't take multivitamins. I don't take fish oil because I eat my fish. Um, mm -hmm. Vitamin D, there's no need. It's summertime right now. Um, mm -hmm. And I eat organ meats usually most year round, so I don't need that. And yeah, <laughs> context, okay. right? It all comes down to understanding the person, their goals. And, uh, you know, for me, in my context, it's just ensuring that I'm, I'm performing well whilst in a deficit and, and not losing an ounce of strength and muscle because it takes so long to build it. <laughs> yeah. What's the competition? When is so, that? Uh, physique, I'm still debating because we don't know if there's going to be a lockdown now, okay. but uh, end of October is what I'm aiming for. So another what, couple months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. So what is the best advice that you were given? want to share that with our listeners. Oh, that's a hard one. I know. I was thinking about <laughs> this. Um, probably, you know, don't. No, this is going to be it. Get a mentor, you know. Uh, I, I didn't have one at an early age. I wish I did. Um, unfortunately, my parents were busy working and they didn't have that much time to, you know, shape me and maybe be there for me the way I wanted it to be. But get a mentor, somebody you can look up to and kind of maybe apprentice under them whatever it might be somebody that you know humans evolved with somebody that was older than them kind of giving them life lessons you know and i think that's a big disconnect these days we don't have somebody that's you know that we can learn from the mistakes uh from somebody else i don't know if i worded that right point being is get a mentor somebody that will teach you and prevent you uh, a lot of uh, time uh, that you don't lose because they probably made the mistakes that you're about to make so you can save yourself some money and time and you might have to invest, mm -hmm. give or take, but that's probably going to be the best investment is having somebody there um, mentoring you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I like to say that uh, I'm in a mentorship as well. What we talk about is the collapsing timelines, right? Literally, you can collapse years and years <laughs> and mistakes to avoid those mistakes. So thank you. That's really, really helpful for sure. So what are your top three self-care habits? Okay. Um, yeah, self-care for sure. Every day I need a, a form of movement. Mm -hmm. It's a non-negotiable. So I have non-negotiables. I call them NNs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so movement every day. It doesn't have to be a workout, it, a walk, whatever. It's just a staple of my life. Um, and now <laughs> it's my dog, right? My dog is my priority. So ever since I got her, she's allowed me to be more active and more enjoy the walking a lot more. So my non-negotiable is walking her two hours a day. It's a non-negotiable. Every day, ensuring that I'm drinking at least half my body weight in water, minimum. That's a non-negotiable. Um, and then, yeah, self-care, spending at least 10, 15 minutes and trying to disconnect from the phone, from everything. Because <clears throat> I've had to recently take a break from uh, social media, actually, when I was in Florida, because it was just too much trying to operate a business. And it's just there's so many distractions everywhere. And I feel that humans need time to think. And we don't have time to think anymore because we're so distracted with everything. And there's a lot of peace when you can kind of be okay with thinking and your thoughts. Um, but again, that's that's something that I, I don't do every day, again, because I get caught into the, the, the wheel. <laughs> but that's something that I think I need to do more of. And uh, it's probably the most profound thing, I would say. It is. It definitely is a challenge, especially when you're running an online business. <laughs> you need yeah. to be online. So, and obviously you want to practice what you preach as well and not be online a lot so i tend to have maybe, it is right so i tend to not have let's say facebook on my phone and i just have it on my laptop because i'm not really doing facebook other than business so why would i have it on my phone right so i kind of just trying to pick and choose which apps i'm going to have on my phone 
so that I can limit that the use of those apps, right? So I can just use it for Genius. business purposes. Yeah. Or like a lot of times I post in Ghost, which I know is probably not the right thing to do from a business perspective. You're supposed to stay <laughs> on to, for, for the algorithm and like, I don't know, comment and wait for comments. And I'm just like, ah, I can't, I have other stuff to do. Or I just don't want to be on it either. So it is, it is hard. So what, if you do find the right balance, let me know. Cause I'd love to know how to do that. Cause I'm, wow. I'm yeah i don't think there is balance that's such a subjective <laughs> word it's like there's just phases in life right yes. so yeah you're right yeah. yeah but like i like the how you're detoxing digital detoxing so maybe you know a couple of days a week just know that you're not going to be posting right so i do use the schedulers a lot social media schedulers so i don't like on sundays i, I don't like to be on on social media so that's kind of my self-care sunday tip <laughs> to schedule it ahead of time yeah, yeah. I've I, I tried doing that you know because I have a, a mentor as well and he's helped me a lot but I'm like I can't think I think better the day of when I'm making the post I can't think mm, ahead okay. I have better ideas and more engagement when I think of the idea like spontaneously and sometimes it requires more work and time but yeah, teach their own right yeah exactly you'll find it you'll find it you'll find it <laughs> well thank you so much for your time. I know it's a little late for you. I'm actually going to go for my walk right now. So thank you. Same thank here. you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I'd love to know where you go and do your plunge in the winter. So let me know. I'll, uh, I'll definitely want to join you and see how that goes. Cause I'm a little bit scared to be in a river, but I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I Absolutely. I'll bring you next out. Best, best, best thing. So thank you for everything that you do. Like I said, um, when I messaged you, you're a beacon of light. I think what you're doing is amazing work and we all need it at this time more than ever. So thank you so much for being on the show and having time for us and our listeners. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you. And once I get mine up and running, finally, you're going to be on the list because I'm interested to understand your story and everything because... I mean, that's life, right? Just talking to people and understanding their stories and learning lessons and helping each other out, right? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Thank you so much, Jake. Have an awesome rest of the day and week. You too. Appreciate it. Ciao. Bye Ciao bye. for now. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome Seamoss at www.stlucianseamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.